If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. In Great Britain, the Industrial Revolution began in the 1760s or thereabout. Empowered by the steam engine invented about 50 years prior, it was a series of advancements in industry that moved manufacturing away from manual labor and production to more machine-centric lines of creation. But in this tale, there were some who did not wish for man to pursue this new era. It is blasphemy that man would choose machine over spirit. This cannot be allowed. All efforts must be taken against this. Mankind must be turned back to the old ways. It was the Alchemists' Guild. Some within this sect were unwilling to accept this transition. It threatened their relevancy. The Alchemists once held great sway over the aristocracy, but the progression of technology threatened that. Why would their patrons continue to fund their ways of life once the inventions of the revolution proved the Alchemists to be obsolete? It could not be allowed. In the year 1764, one of the unnamed alchemists made a ghastly discovery while trying to create a homunculus. Upon the subject grew a strange formation of white crystals, and ever so slowly, the crystals began to multiply upon the test subject. But its properties were a complete mystery. What was this crystal capable of? Its growth would take time, but as the months and years passed, the alchemist's guild fell into lower and lower regard with less financial support. The world will come to us as inept fools if we cannot justify ourselves. We must make them all see the value of our ways. However can we do it? How can we turn them back from this worship of putrid machines? The downfall of the alchemists would assuredly come before the century's end. A command was sent down to this unnamed alchemist who discovered the mysterious white crystal. Their superiors commanded they focus all their time into a most harrowing and devious task. Perhaps we must force them. Perhaps we must create the circumstances that establish our work. A tragedy it will take, a cataclysm, but it can be done. The alchemists possessed a book of Enochian script, the language of angels, called the Liber Logaith, written by a man named John Dee. This book was meant to be used to call upon good spirits, but the superiors of the guild commanded its glyphs be used in the summoning of demons instead. The unnamed alchemist found this to be a foolish request, an impossibility. But for six months, they studied the Liber Logaith, demonology, watched their white crystal grow, but nothing they did produced results. It seemed pure folly. They believed it was not their technique that was causing failure, but the materials for their rituals that were wrong. In 1765, the unnamed alchemist used one of their white crystals in their summoning ritual, and finally, results. A small demon appeared and brought havoc upon the guild before it was destroyed, for such a small thing to cause such damage was frightening. But the guild did not want tiny demons. It wanted an army to pour forth. They wanted the demon Baal, king of the 72 demons of Solomon. The demons will prove to the world that the arts of the alchemists are needed. There are matters of the spirit that machines cannot answer. The creations of man will not usurp us. We will not be thrown to the wayside of history. It was found that the small demon that the unnamed alchemist killed left behind another crystal, this one red, and they called it a shard, but knew as much about it as the white crystal. Interestingly, the white crystal magnetically pulled at the red shard, implying that the two might work in conjunction with one another somehow. 
the issue of producing more came to the forefront. The alchemist spent weeks experimenting with different ways to obtain more white crystal, but the only source that yielded results was the original homunculus subject. All other corpse experiments had pitiful results, and compared to when the white crystal first appeared, its growth had become extremely slow on the homunculus. It would take centuries for that original subject to create enough of the white crystal to summon the king Baal. At best, the guild had a few decades of life remaining. So, what was so special about that homunculus? Well, the homunculus experiment was started on a fresh corpse, the corpse of a child. And compared to the unnamed alchemist's other trials, the homunculus was an extremely fresh body. So what if they tried experimenting on more children, living children? In 1766, the guild provided a set number of extremely young child test subjects to the unnamed alchemist. They could not risk stealing away an unlimited amount. The experiments shifted into transplanting the white crystal into the living children. There were some within the guild that opposed these experiments on moral grounds, in particular a close friend of the unnamed alchemist, a man named Alfred. To Alfred, these experiments were detestable. It was known and accepted that the white crystals would kill the children one day. It spread like a corruption through its host. They would serve a not-yet-known purpose and then be discarded. Alfred took to spending time with the children, a habit that the unnamed alchemist did not quite understand. Alfred mentioned a new study that he was undertaking, exploring the manipulation of kinetic energy. The unnamed alchemist theorized that Alfred was trying to slow the progress of the white crystal's growth and its deadly corruption within their bodies, but he could not prove it. Such an endeavor would be foolish of Alfred after all. Ten years later, in the year 1776, one of the white crystal-infused children grabbed the red shard left by that demon that the unnamed alchemist had summoned and killed over a decade prior. This resulted in a demon, just like the one from a decade ago, being summoned. The red shard had to be pried from the child's hand to stop the summoning, but this proved that the two items could work in conjunction with one another. The children were then known as shard binders. They would be the physical catalyst for the summoning of Baal and its demons. For three more years, the unnamed alchemist experimented with using the children to summon lesser demons. Then the order came down from the leaders of the guild to pit the children against the demons so that they could be trained in combat and made to be more disciplined to the use of the red shards that the vanquished demons left behind. One of the children, a boy named Jebel, lagged behind the others in white crystal growth but accelerated in combat ability. The boy provided a huge number of red shards to the unnamed alchemist, a most valuable result. In 1781, 14 years after the tiny children were procured, the now teenage test subjects were fully combat trained and shard binding experiments began. They were testing to see how successful their summoning of the 72 demons of Solomon would be and what was required to make the summoning of Baal possible. One of the teens, a girl named Miriam, held within herself the same amount of white crystal as all the other children combined. She had unending potential in shard binding. She would be the key to summoning forth Baal. It was in the year 1783 that enough white crystal had been grown within the teens to perform the great summoning. In June of that year, a great volcanic eruption began in Iceland. The Laki eruption plunged Europe into chaos. The skies turned dark and red, as though hell itself were pouring onto the earth. It was at this most opportune time that the order came down from the guild. 
the ritual to summon the demons of hell must take place. What was this event, if not a sign from God, that now was the time? For 10 days, the unnamed alchemist prepared. The children would be sacrificed to make the summoning possible. This was all the value that their lives held within the guild. Alfred, the old friend of the unnamed alchemist, took action to at least impair this plan. He could not outright stop them, but he could at least take the girl Miriam out of the equation. Just taking her out would cut the power of the ritual in half. It was all that he could do on his own. Alfred mercifully put Miriam into a deep slumber, making her powers unusable by the guild. The unnamed alchemist suspected Alfred of doing this, but took no action against him. The ritual would proceed even at half of its power. What resulted from this obscene summoning was a nigh-apocalyptic event. Demons flooded the world and began destroying all within their path. Without Miriam, the demon Baal would not be brought forth, but the absolute destruction of the demons that were produced proved to be so much more than the guild expected. It was a threat that they could not battle, let alone destroy. All of the Shardbinder children were killed to make this possible, save two. The girl Miriam that was spared the event, and the boy named Jebel. Jebel was subjected to the mind-breaking horrors of the ritual, but the white shards in his body did not overtake him with corruption. He survived against all odds. The church became involved in the battle against the demons. It took two months of hard fighting to vanquish them. An untold number of innocent lives were lost. The guild succeeded in their vile plan, but failed to provide the remedy. Their relevancy was not proven, as was the original intent, but their treachery was uncovered by the church. All of the superiors of the alchemist guild were executed, but the unnamed alchemist somehow escaped punishment. That is, until the following year. In 1784, the young man Jebel, the one who survived the ritual, returned to the maimed guild. Flanked by demons to punish those who still remained within the guild, to make them pay for what was done. The alchemist's guild was destroyed and left to ruin. The Libra Logayath disappeared, Jebel vanished, and the girl Miriam remained in her deep slumber. One of the only surviving alchemists, a young man named Johannes, the apprentice of Alfred, chose to begin working with the church. Johannes was close in age to the test subjects that were killed in the summoning. He was a good friend of the survivor Jebel and worried greatly over the slumbering Miriam. Johannes allied himself with an exorcist named Dominique. Dominique was the daughter of two accomplished exorcists who lost their lives during the demon invasion. This loss and the horrors of that time made the young woman question her faith in the existence of God. It planted a dark seed of rage within her. But alongside Johannes, they studied the red shards and the white crystals embedded in Miriam to predict when she would awaken from her slumber. And 10 years, she would slumber for 10 years. So time passed on, passed on for all save Miriam, who was shielded from its effects. England recovered from the demonic invasion. The site of the alchemist guild fell to decay. And eventually, the time for Miriam's awakening drew close. And to accompany this event, Jebel reappeared. And the man brought with him a most fearsome construct, the Hellhold. A creation of hell placed upon the foundation of the once alchemist guild. 
merging the two into a most unholy place. Jebel also brought with him a legion of demons under his command. He was there to take revenge upon mankind for what was done to the Shardbinders ten years ago. And in this very hour of Jebel's arrival, Miriam awakens. She is ushered aboard a galleon by Johannes, arranged by Dominique to transport the duo to the village of Arventville, near where the Hellhold has landed. And the thought that Jebel could be doing something like this, it does not make sense to Miriam. She knows Jebel to be a good, kind soul. It hardly makes sense to Johannes, Jebel's old friend, but he knows this was Jebel's doing. The only one who could ever hope to reason with or stand up to Jebel is Miriam herself. Her awakening, overlapping with Jebel's violent return, it cannot be a coincidence. Before landing at Arventville, the minions of Jebel attack the galleon carrying Miriam and Johannes. It's time for Miriam to shake out the cobwebs and fight. Thankfully, these lesser demons are not a grave threat to the Shardbinder, but on the deck of the galleon is Jebel himself and a demon at his side. But it would seem that Jebel does not want to harm Miriam. Miriam is the only living being who could possibly understand what Jebel went through. No, she would have a place at his side in this remade world. But the two have shared in a great deal of life together. This is a far cry from the gentle spirit that Miriam knew so long ago. When she questions Jebel's actions, reminds him that choices dictate a person's nature. Well, he hesitates. And this moment of seeming doubt within Jebel leads Miriam to believe that all is not as it seems. Perhaps Jebel can be reasoned with. Perhaps this can be stopped and her friend restored to sanity. And he himself is not entirely opposed to this idea. Should Miriam combat his forces, take on the powers necessary to do so, and still stand by her ideals and faith in humanity, then, well, maybe he can be persuaded to hear her out in the end. But for now, Jebel and his demonic escort, Gremory, take their leave so that a powerful demon might appear to test Miriam's strength. At the conclusion of this trial, the journey to Arventville is complete. Miriam must now begin preparations for her venture into the Hellhold. The village is nearly completely destroyed. Most of the inhabitants are dead or have fled. Those that do remain are in dire straits. The exorcist, Dominique, is here, rendering assistance where she can. The first Miriam sees of her, she's valiantly defending a young girl from an approaching demon, which Miriam steps in to lend aid to. Dominique is immediately gracious and kind, ready to assist Miriam in any way that she can. She too finds the appearance of Jebel and the Hellhold to be suspicious in its overlap with Miriam's awakening, but it's a question that must wait for an answer. And entering the castle is something that Miriam will have to do alone. Dominique and Johannes will assist as they can through product provision and insight into the mechanisms of the castle, but the heavy lifting falls to Miriam. The massive, sprawling castle is a mix of hellish architecture and the remnants of the Alchemist's Guild. There are scraps of the Guild's lore and history to be found around the place, and a fiendish variety of enemies challenge Miriam's every move, and she is not alone in this sprawling abomination. This being, he's certainly human, not one of the Horde, and when he turns to face Miriam, she recognizes him. It's Alfred, the once member of the Alchemist Guild who put Miriam into a slumber 10 years ago to stop the summoning of the demon Baal. He was the teacher of Johannes, 
though the young man thought him dead during the culling of the Alchemist's Guild ten years ago. Alfred views Johannes' work with Miriam as meddling in affairs that he does not belong in. Alfred is here to find the mythic book The Liber Logaeth, the book that once served as a guide to the unnamed alchemist on how to summon spirits and demons. The reunion between Alfred and Johannes is not entirely kindly, either. Alfred is unwilling to answer any questions and hell-bent on being the only one to possess the Liber Logaeth, and delivers a vague threat of death against Johannes and Miriam should they get in his way. Johannes and Miriam fear that Alfred may be trying to use the book to restore the Alchemy Guild. Their primary concern is Jeevil and his demons right now, though. Miriam can't stop that task to hunt Alfred through this place. But if the opportunity arrives to intervene and secure the Liber Logaeth, then she must take it. Her mission here is now twofold, and Johannes will take this new information back to Dominique. Alfred is not the only other human to be walking the hellhold. Deeper into enemy territory, another man makes his presence known. His name is Zangetsu and he holds malice towards Miriam, openly attacking her on first sight. During the demon invasion ten years ago, he journeyed to England to help fight off the hordes. He lost many friends and an arm during the war and witnessed unspeakable suffering. It turned him into a man driven by vengeance against anything demonic. In his eyes, the Shardbinders were a gun wielded by the alchemists to make that carnage possible. The likes of Miriam and Jeebel should not be allowed to exist, Zangetsu was enlisted by Dominique to combat the forces of Hellhold, to specifically oppose Alfred, and to retrieve the Liber Logaeth. But in Zangetsu's eyes, he is no ally to Miriam. He will not offer her his cooperation. All he has to give is hostility. Though, at Dominique's behest, he begrudgingly departs from Miriam without further violence. A large cast of characters reside within the Hellhold, some humans who require aid, others demons who may not be so evil in their hearts, but far more ne'er-do-wells and vicious threats that must be cut down to proceed. Servants of Jeebel and direct threats to mankind. And the castle itself is, it's just wrong. The architecture, it, it makes it nigh impossible to traverse, even with the enhanced abilities of Miriam. She must collect demon shards to imbue herself with greater powers so that she might proceed through these twisted and nonsensical corridors, but Miriam must be careful in this. The white crystals within her body can spread and corrupt if she imbues herself with too much demonic power. She must pick and choose carefully as she proceeds. And as her journey continues on and she collects more powers, Jeebel himself finds Miriam walking the hellhold and compliments her embrace of these powers. Though Jeebel taunts that she can hardly consider herself human with that much devilry flowing through her veins, Jeebel quite wants to convert Miriam over to his side. Or at least, that's how it seems. Alfred makes his presence known to Jeebel in this moment, and the two have no fond words for one another. Alfred insists on pressing an attack against Jeebel, convinced that he possesses the Liber Logaeth. It is Gremory, the demon at Jeebel's side, that intervenes. She does not raise a hand against Alfred, but rather reasons with Jeebel that he must conserve his energy for the summoning of the demon king, Baal. And it is Gremory that steals Jeebel away from the conflict. Because you see, Alfred is actually a threat to the eldest Shardbinder. Certainly not a doddering old man throwing himself into danger. 
His reasons for wanting the Liber Logaith are still not entirely clear, though. Miriam fears that he may be attempting to continue the work of the Alchemist Guild to plunge the world deeper into darkness. But for now, she may not know the truth of his intentions. Because Alfred simply has no time for her questions and departs immediately. How rude. Zangetsu and Dominique occasionally meet to discuss their progress, but Zangetsu is completely unwilling to even be in Miriam's presence. He is blatant in his disregard towards her and would rather vanish than trade intel in her presence. But it's in the Hellhold's train station, yes, there is a rail system in the Hellhold, that Zangetsu cannot proceed, and Miriam essentially corners the man into speaking with her. Sorcery upon a door blocks his way, magic that he cannot break, but Miriam can forcing him into cooperation with her, and it seems that his priorities are really not on snuffing her out. He abandons blatant aggression in favor of jolly cooperation. The two fall in line together aboard the rampaging train, combating a horrid beast aboard it. Oh, friendship. How wonderful to see. So at least for now, Zangetsu and Miriam have some form of understanding of one another. Miriam will need Zangetsu's strength and knowledge during the peril to come, and Zangetsu is coming to respect Miriam's abilities and her intentions. At least now, he won't outright try to kill her on sight. Probably. Deeper into the hellhold, Miriam finds Dominique, seeking out Zangetsu. News of their cooperation rather shocks Dominique, who seemed quite displeased at how Zangetsu is proceeding within the hellhold. He's going against her orders. Dominique wanted him to journey underground, She's apparently concerned that Alfred will spring a trap on them at any moment, though he's had ample opportunity to do so and has not. She wants Zangetsu to stop whatever Alfred is doing, and that he has not done so quite perturbs her. The threats of the Hellhold do not relent the more powerful Miriam becomes. Beings most foul yet also beautiful blockade Miriam's progress. With each threat handled, more abilities are made available, abilities that will be needed to contend with Jeebel. Miriam gives excess shards she collects to Dominique in exchange for goods and services. Dominique may not resell them, but she will certainly buy them from her. And now, Miriam may choose to beeline to where Jeebel awaits, sitting upon a throne under a bright foreboding moon. She may put all other tasks and parties aside to immediately confront him. He is vicious in his convictions, however. Not the same Jeebel that Miriam knew in her youth, what is wrong with him? Why did he become this monstrous man? She cannot talk him down and he cannot persuade her over to his side. So combat takes place between the once dear friends. They cannot reconcile their differences. The two once promised each other that should their shardbinder powers corrupt them, should they become evil forces themselves that they would stop one another. Miriam did not forget that promise and she keeps true to that oath. And when the dust settles on their feud, Jeebel thanks Miriam for stopping his madness and keeping her promise. With Jeebel's death, the demons, however, they do not disappear. The hellhole does not vanish. Miriam's task is completed, but why is doom still encroaching? It's, it's a matter for Dominique and the church now, but why is it still so wrong? Let us rewind to before Miriam entered Jeebel's chamber. Instead, what if Miriam did not pursue Jeebel immediately? but instead solved the apparent mystery behind his behavior. Why is Jeebel like this? What happened after that horrible ritual 10 years ago, after the destruction of the Alchemist Guild? Attention will be focused upon Alfred, the Libra Logaith, Zangetsu, and Dominique. 
Alfred will take center stage instead of Jebel for now. He is far beneath the castle in a place called the Hidden Desert. At Miriam's arrival, he finally takes action against her, intent on containing her here, away from the castle, to stop her from intruding upon his search or interfering with his own goals. Alfred was laying a trap of some sort, but it was not meant for Miriam. She just so happened to interrupt his proceedings, but he will take this opportunity to trap Miriam here instead of his unknown original target. And it's no wonder Gremory wanted to remove Jebel from his presence and prevent a fight. The old man is extremely powerful, a marvelously skilled alchemist. When brought down by Miriam, he does not concede information or offer insight into his plans, nor does he act obstinate nor apologetic. He flees the arena. His goals remain the same, get the Liber Logaith. Within the underground waterway, Miriam is able to once again hunt Alfred down. This time, he's not alone. He is in the company of Dominique. The two are having a heated exchange. It would seem that the two were once cooperating with one another to retrieve the Liber Logaith, but Alfred took steps to keep Dominique away. The trap Alfred was laying within the hidden desert, the one that Miriam intruded upon, it was intended for Dominique. She'd suspected that he had turned against her and had tried to send Zangetsu below the castle to deal with Alfred, in order that Zangetsu ignored while he boarded the train with Miriam a while back. Alfred does not want Dominique to have that book, and Dominique is quite defensive against his accusations of wanting it for herself. There is not yet any context to their anger at one another, no party presents as truly right or wrong, but this was not a moment that either of them wanted Miriam witnessing. Alfred once again immediately hightails it out, and Dominique explains bits of her original plan and her own backstory. She wanted Zangetsu to stop Alfred from interfering with Jebel, stop him from getting the Libra Logaith for himself, and insists that she has no desire for power or revenge herself. Her parents were killed ten years ago in the demon invasion, but she no longer holds hatred for it. She just wants to keep the book away from anyone who would use it for evil purposes. Alright, fair enough. Back within the Hellhold, at the Oriental Sorcery Lab, another challenge greets our Miriam. It is now Zangetsu, who once again stands in her way, but he does not do this with the intentions of killing her. Rather, he wants to test Miriam and orders her to fight like her life depends on it. But Zangetsu does not return this upon Miriam, instead he holds back, something that Miriam notices and is rather insulted by. But instead of engaging in an argument with Miriam over it, Zangetsu gifts her his sword, the Zangetsuto. Zangetsu came to England with the Zangetsuto to hunt a demon, Gremory, the supposed servant that stands beside Jebel now. The Zangetsuto can strike down Gremory, and the demon knows this. It has taken great care to avoid Zangetsu. Gremory fears him, but it does not matter to Zangetsu who kills the demon, he just wants it dead. So he gifts his sword, the Zangetsuto, to Miriam, who will eventually run into Jebel and Gremory. She can use the sword and cut the demon down. Because Gremory is controlling Jebel, he reveals. Gremory is the source of Jebel's moral corruption. The demon shards that Jebel put into himself made him powerful, yes, but it also made him vulnerable to the influences of powerful demons, like Gremory. Its control over him is not yet absolute though, so end the demon and perhaps Jebel can be released. Equipped with this, 
Miriam can proceed into that armed conflict with Jeebel once again, a redo on a past mistake. And the scenario seems much the same, dramatic meeting between the two, differences that cannot be reconciled, and then combat. But now Miriam has the Zengetsuto, and knowledge that Gremory is always at Jeebel's side. So, pause. Where is she? Where is Gremory? It's okay, I'll give you a second. Did you find the demon? Oh my, who would have thought? Gremory hides as the visage of the moon, and only the Zangatsuto could reveal her. And in the demon's possession is the book, the Libra Logayath. Alfred very quickly steals into the arena to capture the book, and then, of course, immediately vanish. But Gremory, no longer interested in Jeebel, gives chase to the alchemist now. Once again, Jeebel gives his thanks to Miriam for ending his rampage. Now the full truth has come to light. It's easier to understand why he did what he did. But the crystal corruption in his body is no longer being held back by Gremory, and it quickly spreads. He knows his end is imminent, and does his best to wish his old friend a kind farewell beckons her to destroy the castle, and leaves her with sweet parting words before he's completely overtaken. Miriam promised Jeebel that she would destroy the Hellhold, so her work here is not yet complete. Tracking Alfred is exceedingly difficult given his ability to teleport around the Hellhold. Gremory, though, would be far easier. She hides herself away within a bloody moon that can be forced out of hiding. Finding that moon would be far easier than finding Alfred. And eventually, Miriam tracks it down within the Garden of Silence, flooding a stage of the castle with crimson. Cutting the moon with the Zangatsuto forces Gremory to flee through a portal. Jumping through takes Miriam to a new hell, the Den of Behemoths. And right from the start, there is trouble abounding. Alfred is here and has been hurt and calls to Zangetsu. Alfred had requested that Zangetsu bring his apprentice Johannes to his side, so Zangetsu and Alfred, they were working together. Why? Wasn't Alfred their foe? Well, Zangetsu was quite suspicious of Dominique's orders for him to stop Alfred. She was in fact quite insistent on pitting Alfred and Zangetsu against one another. Rather than complying, Zangetsu decided to have a conversation with Alfred instead, and what the two men discovered was that Dominique was manipulating them towards some unknown goal. She intentionally pitted Zangetsu and Alfred against one another, and kept Miriam isolated in her own venture. If Dominique wanted Jeebel dealt with quickly, wouldn't she have sent the two into the hellhole together to kill him? All this dancing about and planning other tasks was counterintuitive, and Alfred was never their enemy. He only acted against Miriam to keep her away from the hellhole, not to kill her. Alfred was afraid that, just like Jeebel, Miriam could be overtaken by a demon. She is strongly attuned to the demonic powers that they wield. If someone like Gremory took over Miriam, it would be cataclysmic. Alfred felt that his only way to handle the situation was to kill Jeebel and get the Libra Logayath away from Gremory himself. Then he would banish the hellhold. In his final moments, Alfred begs Miriam's forgiveness for what was done to her ten years ago, but is unable to stay to hear her response. Another victim in this cruel, cruel game. But there is no time to grieve. These three must act together to stop the demons. 
Zangetsu will act as bait to draw out Gremory since the demon knows that he no longer carries the Zangetsuto. Miriam will cut the demon down, and once they have the Liber Logaith, Johannes will use the Enochian script to cast the castle and its demons back to hell. Within the Den of the Behemoths, everything is massive in size and extremely aggressive. There are unusual machinations and greater demons that block Miriam's path forward. But Gremory is deep within the den, in a glacial tomb, but not so far away that Zangetsu and Miriam both can't reach her. Zangetsu lures the demon out of hiding and casts a spell to prevent it from leaving the area. As punishment, Gremory pulls the man down into the pits of hell, a punishment and a price he accepts in exchange for the demon's demise. It is now Miriam's turn to cut her down with Zangetsu's sword. His spell holds true and the demon cannot flee. After all the chaos and drama that she has put them through, it's cathartic to finally have Gremory cornered like she so deserves to be. But, of course, not too far away, right on time to capitalize on her planning, it's Dominique. Alfred is gone. Zangetsu is gone. Johannes has taught her how to harness the powers of the Red Demon Shards through alchemy, and Miriam supplied them to her freely during her ventures. Dominique guided Miriam toward the Hellhold with the intention of her becoming more powerful, more infused with demonic powers, to sully the untouched white crystal within her body, something that Miriam avoided a decade prior when the Great Ritual took place. Her original intention was for Gremory to possess Miriam, just as the demon had done to Jeebel after he was corrupted by the ritual ten years ago. But because of Zangetsu's interference, that plan fell through. So Dominique took the excess shards that Miriam had brought to her during her fight through the Hellhold, and instead, she will act as a summoning crystal for Bale. Dominique wants to prove that God is not all-powerful that he is not worthy of serving. And the power of mankind is not drawn upon through God. There is another nameless, unspeakable thing that Dominique seeks, something greater than God, something that could kill God. She believes that she will find her answers in the summoning of the demon king, Baal. She will become a part of Baal. And the death toll caused by this and all the doom to come do not matter. The deaths will continue until she has the answers and revenge that she desires. Miriam cannot completely stop the summoning that Dominique commences. Another portal is created within the glacial tomb, straight to hell, where the demon king Baal himself greets the women. Dominique takes her place within one of the demon king's three heads, and a vicious fight ensues. This is the only way to finally stop the madness that began ten years ago. Vengeance for Jeebel, Alfred, Zangetsu, and all the lives lost in this new demon invasion. Dominique herself jumps from head to head upon the demon. The only way to end this creature is to target that woman. Bale itself heals too quickly, but by imposing herself into Bale, Dominique has created a weakness, and it's through exploiting Dominique's hubris and targeting her in full that Miriam destroys the summoning ritual, casting Bale back into the pits of hell where it belongs, and Dominique with it. Using the Liber Logaith, Johannes is able to banish the Hellhold. The work of Gremory and then Dominique is fully undone and peace returns. 
Though the small town of Ardentville has nearly lost everything, there is still hope that it can be restored and made right. Demons still linger in the world, but Miriam and Johannes will dedicate themselves to seeing them all snuffed out. In a final parting gift, Alfred aided Johannes in developing a new way to permanently halt the crystal corruption within Miriam to keep it from killing her, a looming threat that has always been on her mind. The corruption that made Jebel vulnerable and eventually killed him will not claim Miriam as well. It will take time for Johannes to fully develop it, but it's a hope for Miriam, the potential for a long and prosperous life. Miriam plants the Zangetsuto in the village crossroads and departs with Johannes, though when returning to the site of the sword, it would seem that somebody has reclaimed their weapon.